Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ty's Tech Line. We have a really great episode for you today. On today's episode, we are having a conversation with Megan Kelsey of Megan Kelsey Photography. And not only is she an amazing wedding photographer, but she's also an avid traveler. So in today's conversation, I talked to her all about the different tips and tricks that she uses whenever she travels in order to get the best deals, to find the best places, and we just talk about traveling in general. Megan and I had a really, really great conversation. So if you are somebody who loves to travel or you just want to find better things to do and have a better sense of what to do whenever you go visit a new city, I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. So hope you enjoy this conversation with me and Megan. All right. So we have Megan on the podcast today. Hi, Megan. How's it going? Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being on Ty's Tech Line. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Uh, for those people out there who may not know who you are, could you just share real quickly a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you're all about, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, of course. Well, uh, my name is Megan. I I'm a newlywed. It's been almost two years now since Tyler and Ashley were my wedding videographers. Yes. Um, I can't believe it's been that long. Um, Me neither. I seriously cannot believe. I was thinking about that the other day. It's so hard to believe. I know. it. Time goes by so fast. It was such a such an amazing day. But the Harringtons were my wedding videographers, so that's how I know Ty and Ash. And I'm also a wedding photographer. So that's kind of how I met them and... Came, came across them in, in the industry years before I got married. And then one time, when the time came to get married, it was, I already had uh, Ty and Ash on hand. So yeah. Do you remember when the first time we met? I'm, I was trying to think about that when I was getting ready for this podcast. I don't remember exactly the first time we met you. Okay. So apparently it was at Kona Grill at a shoot and share meetup. Yeah. Here in Richmond, right? Yes. And yes. Ash had to remind me of that because I thought it was a different time. I remember, I remember talking to you the night about video stuff. Okay. Cause oh, you yeah, were like starting I, to do some video. You're kind of like yes. dabbling in video a little bit. What I, was the time that you remember? I, it was another meetup. Another it meetup. Was just, yeah. There were so many people that used to go to the shoot and share meetup. So it was, it's That's hard true. to like keep them separate right. in my memory. So one thing I do remember about you, Megan, as long as I've ever known about you and like followed you on the internet and stuff like that, is that I was always, I've always been impressed with your travels, not only in like the amount of traveling that you do, but I always feel like whenever you go somewhere, you always get the most out of it. Like you always have like the coolest adventures and you see the coolest things. And even Aww. a few times we've been in the same place. We went to Memphis for yeah. Creative at Heart. Yeah. And I feel like you ate at all these like really awesome restaurants and did all these really cool things. And we didn't we just like went to like the random res restaurant down the street yeah um so that's what i want to talk to megan about today because she's obviously she's an amazing photographer she's an amazing businesswoman and we could have a whole podcast about that stuff but i really want to talk to her about her love for traveling and just the way that she's been able to do a ton of traveling in her life and what i would say is doing it very very well so megan what would you say that your like love for traveling started did you travel a lot when you were like younger when you're growing up or i did i did i think it's i always say like traveling's just in my blood like even if i tried not to do it i would end up doing it and it's funny because this year i was like okay 2018 my word of the year is rooted i'm gonna stay at home i'm gonna be like in my community and i already have like seven trips planned i don't know how it happens i've traveled since i was i think my first international trip i was actually like an infant like a a baby because i have family in germany and um i just grew up going to visit my grandma and my cousins and i had family in indiana when we lived in virginia so we were always I feel like on the go visiting family. And if not that, then we were taking family vacations. And I think it really, really started to be something that was of my own and not just family traveling when I was in high school, because I was signing up for all kinds of leadership conferences and any opportunity I saw where travel was involved, I was like, yes, let's go. And then once college arrived and I had my own money and I could like book a plane ticket by myself and travel internationally by myself and stay at a hotel room by myself, then it was just like the world was my oyster. How old are you, Megan? If you don't, if you I'm don't 24, mind me asking. I'm 24. 24. Yeah. So you're only 24 and I was looking at your website and you've been to England, Germany, Spain, Morocco, Iceland, Italy, Austria, France, Hawaii, and then like all over the US, like oh tons and gosh. tons of places all over the US, which is crazy because again you're only 24 so a lot of people you know traveling is super expensive and it's super kind of i feel like people think oh it's so unobtainable as a college student or even you know on a normal like yeah 24 year old yeah. budget so that's one of the things i definitely want to talk to you about um but what would you say of all those places has been your favorite place that you've traveled if you had to pick just one that, I know which is hard that is an impossible question i maybe the top three what do okay, you think okay top, top three we loved portugal 
last May, mm-hmm. we went for our first anniversary, which I know sounds like the most extravagant one year anniversary ever. <laughs> um, but it was so beautiful there. The people were so nice. We felt so uh, safe, which can be hit or miss sometimes when you're traveling internationally. But um, we felt safe walking around the city at night and down dark alleyways. We never felt like weird or I didn't have to hold my purse too close, which is always um, such a well, blessing. Having that big burly husband on yeah. your, by your side probably <laughs> helps with that a little bit, huh? Probably does. Um, the food there was really good too. And the wine and the cheese and there were so many pretty places to go and uh, the wineries. It was it was amazing. I watched that adventure as well, like through Insta stories and stuff like that. Yeah. And it always seemed like you have something going on and um, whatever. So I'm going to, again, we're going to kind of get into all this, but so what would you say, do you have a, like your craziest travel story? Like the one that like oh. something like just everything kind of yep. went crazy. I know that your proposal story yep. is a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're going to say? Yep. Perfect. Okay. Go ahead and tell me that story. That then. is definitely the craziest one. So we decided that we were going to go to Germany my dad had always wanted to take my sisters and I to spend Germany uh, Christmas in Germany. And so that happened to be the Christmas that I was graduating college. And then it ended up being the trip we got engaged on. So it was just this big, epic trip. Well, we decided we were college students. We didn't have a ton of lucrative income. So we picked the cheapest plane ticket we could find, which was on Iceland Air, which I... Good old Iceland Air. I, I love Iceland Air. They're they're so nice. But when you fly through Iceland on a layover in the middle of winter, you're taking a little bit of a risk with weather. Um, so we ended up yes. being stranded in Iceland for over 24 hours in the mi- middle of a blizzard. Oh my gosh. Which, so stuck in the airport, I guess. Well, so here's the thing. We, we landed, we got off the plane, we figured out we'd missed our flight, and then we went to the customer service counter. And the person in front of us was so angry. I remember they were like screaming at the person behind the desk. And my dad was like, you know what? I'm just going to be nice. And he walks up and he's like, hi, how are you today? This poor woman is like so flustered from the person who was so mean to her. And she's like, how can I help you? And my dad's like, well, we, they didn't have the next flight to Germany where we were going until the next morning. And it was 930 AM. So she had said, well, there's nowhere for us to take you. So we're just going to put you up in a four-star hotel and all your meals are covered, all your transportation's covered, and this is when the bus comes, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. So it ended up being a little bit of a, well, really a big adventure, because we got to walk around Reykjavik. We saw the sunset from the top of Helgrimskirkja, which is this huge, giant church downtown, and it was so beautiful and fun. But at the same time, we missed our entire time in Munich, like that first little portion of the trip. So, right, yeah, it was... It was crazy. I remember being on the bus and the bus like couldn't get up the hill. That's how icy and snowy everything was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was slightly terrifying and I was exhausted. I I was so confused because it was pitch black until like 11 a.m. And then the sun started to set again at like 3.30. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the days are all messed up in Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. At that time of year because it was late December. So it was just the weirdest. I felt like I was on another planet because of the the darkness and everything was icy. It looked like we were on a giant glacier. And by the time we got to Germany, I'd been awake, I think for like 48 hours. So it was oh, well, just, perfect yeah. timing for Justin to um, ask me to marry him. So you got to see Iceland at least, which is nice. So, but where you got engaged was pretty cool, right? It was. Oh a- yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So the end of that story, we missed our, we missed our uh, bus ride to Neuschwanstein, which is a gorgeous castle in Bavaria, Germany. It's where Justin had planned to ask me to marry him. Well, we were stranded in Iceland when that bus was like um, embarking on that trip. So my dad, he's so sweet. He ended up renting a car so that he could get us there because everyone knew the plan, obviously, but me. And I'm just sitting here crying out of like exhaustion and frustration at this point. So it was it was very interesting. We got to the castle like two days after we were supposed to be there. And I remember running to the ticket booth because it was going to close at like 2.30 and because this is right around Christmas time and everything in Germany kind of shuts down for like a week at Christmas time. So we were running to ticket booth. We got the last tickets of the day to go up to the castle. And so poor Justin for all these 48 hours that I'm like crying about being stranded and missing half our trip. He's probably like freaking out on the inside about, well, my whole proposal plan is about to go out the window. But we ended up making up making it up there right at the perfect moment. And he asked me to marry him with the castle in the background and all the tourists were cheering and it was, it was really fun. And then I was in the best mood ever. So it was great. Right. 
Yeah, the 48 hours of sleep got washed yep. right away after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And that's something I think is so cool about you guys and your story. Obviously, I know it pretty well from being at your wedding and all that jazz. Um, but that travel is such a huge part of that. Um, Cause you guys traveled a lot together in high school, right? Yeah, and then, we did. Um, Our first international trip together was when we were 13. We went to Spain and Morocco and that was on like a school educational trip. Our parents loved us a lot. They made sure that we got a lot of amazing opportunities. But yeah, my one of my sweetest memories with Justin is like falling asleep on his shoulder on the bus, like the five hour bus ride from Madrid to, to Toledo. And um, it was raining and I just remember falling asleep and then sleeping on his shoulder for four hours. And apparently it was like the joke of the bus ride cause I like drooled all over him. And so <laughs> his parents didn't let me live that down for like literally 10 years. And finally people have stopped bringing it up, but yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that traveling is great. I think that because I traveled a little bit when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I went on a couple of different missions trips to Peru and the Dominican Republic and some places like that. And I do think that you learn a lot about yourself and about the world and all those types of things. Um, but OK, so what I really want to talk to you about. So part of the reason why I had this idea to talk to Megan is because Ash and I are actually going to Hawaii in a couple of weeks. And Megan planned what seemed like the world's best honeymoon oh to Hawaii after she got married. How long were you guys there? You're in Hawaii for what days. seemed like a 12 days, days. 12 action-packed days. Mm -hmm. I think they got every last drop out of their trip to Hawaii. Um, So this is selfishly part of the reason I want to talk to you about this because we're going to Hawaii and I want some tips on all the things to do and how you know so much. So, okay. So what I want to know, Megan, is when you go on these trips, what is the sort of process you go through as as far as researching, as far as kind of preparing? Are you like planning everything down to the minute? What is your sort of process for getting ready for Because I don't think it's just big trips like Hawaii or international. You do this for like anywhere that you go, right? Yep. So what does your sort of process look like for preparing for a trip? So I always start with an app called Road Trippers. I know this sounds like I'm going to be like plugging these cool little tech gadgets, but this is is really what I do. Um, There's an app called Road Trippers where you can look at a map of the place you're going and you can type in a few destinations or you can see the popular destinations or places to stop. And then you can make a little route around the city or around the country, wherever you're going to be, that will tell you like what order to go to which places. And it'll literally have like a line on the map of where to go and how long it's going to take you to get there, how much you'll spend in gas, et cetera. So that app is usually what I'm going to first to kind of do a little bit of research, start seeing how far away things are, Um, no matter like whether we're going to a city or like a full country. And beyond that, Google, I'm looking on Pinterest. I'm typing in on Google, like Hawaiian honeymoon blog, which is funny because I think we're like the number one search result for that because of my Hawaiian honeymoon blog post. Right. Which everyone should go look at. Yes. Because it's great. There's a lot of good information in there too. Yeah. There's so many pictures really, if, if that's all you get out of it, just the pictures and the names of places. That's so helpful. But beyond Pinterest and blogs and road trippers. I'm using Yelp. I'm using TripAdvisor. It's really all, everything I can find. I'm typing in like top 10 country name or one week in Portugal. And then I'm buying the actual travel guides. And I know for Hawaii, you guys need to get the, which island are you going to? Uh, I think (laughs) the big island. The big island. I don't actually know. Okay. Well. I should ask Ash. Ash knows. I, don't I know. know. F- I'm just along for the ride. This is Ash is completely planning this. I am literally just showing up and. That's amazing. That's what we bringing do. Bringing my drone. That's all of our trips. I'm planning everything, and then Justin's like, "Thanks, babe." And I'm like, "You're welcome." This this makes me happy to like plan all the details. I like being the planner. But they have books for Hawaii called Maui Unveiled and Oahu Unveiled. Those are the two I have, and um, I'll have to get the author name to you, but. Those, no, put it in the show notes. Oh, good. Okay. Those two books were so awesome for our Hawaii trips because I've been to Hawaii twice and then Justin um, once on our honeymoon, but those have so many good like hidden gems and things you would never know about from like browsing Google or buying the big eyewitness travel guide. Those That's the other one I really love is the, um, the DK eyewitness travel. Those are awesome too. So all of that together. What is your goal when you're getting ready for a trip? Because I feel like I feel like whenever I look for stuff to do on a trip, it's always kind of what you said, like Google, top 10, whatever. But I feel like then you always end up with like the touristy things, or like the things that everybody goes to, or though I'm sure that those companies yeah. are like trying to get ranked in that. So like some of that seems a little bit, maybe not like the actual best spot. Right. Do you have a goal for like trying to find, like go deeper than that? Like, do you have a certain, like, a, I don't know. Well, 
something you're trying to achieve right. whenever you go to these new places? Right. I love seeing places that are going to be very photogenic. I think just as a photographer, I'm like I'm wanting, I'm wanting the spots that I can take really pretty pictures of or pictures in front of. Um, I also love the Instagram spots. Who doesn't? I'm always, oh, that's another thing I'm browsing. I'm looking at like the place tags um, for, for wherever I'm going and then seeing I go to the actual, I press on the name of the place if someone's location tagged and then browsing those photos there, I decide whether it's actually worth the side trip to go there or if not. But um, I I like doing the touristy things. I know that's not at all cool. And a lot of the friends I travel with are like, oh, really, Megan? But I'm like, yeah. we're in London. We have to go ride, uh, you know, the London Eye or we have to go see Big Ben, like, duh. Um, right, right. And it's fun to get those things out of the way, I think, at the beginning of a trip so then you can have a more authentic like let's wander around let's just see what happens or we can go see the more like locally popular places um my thing is always just pretty spots or really good food we love love to eat and we're such foodies so anywhere we're going if there's good food i i'm there and then beyond that it's just anywhere where it is a tourist spot and like you can't go to ireland without you know going to temple bar we will be going to temple bar so those three t- things together. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's hard. Yeah, because I think sometimes you do want to avoid the touristy places. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like there's a reason why they're touristy places. They're fun and they're good things to do. Yeah. Um, so I think that's always good to do. Um, so when, okay, when you, gather all the, you gather all this information, are you just taking that and putting that into the app? Or do you have another way that you're combining all of it and kind of planning everything? Like, Are you a spreadsheet kind of girl? Are you an agenda? Like every day is planned down to the hour? Or like what is your sort of like... A, attack plan. So I do have an overall itinerary typically for the week, but it's nothing intensive. It's not like at this time we will leave. It's just like Monday, we want to see this, this, and this. And it's just very broad. And I just have it on, you know, in the back of my mind while we're planning. I do have everything on the Road Trippers app though, like ready to go for any trip. I use that app for everything because it'll I can actually see the map and see okay we're in this part of town like what's nearby even if I'm going to like New York City for the day I'll pull that up and have you know my 20 spots that I might want to go to depending on which neighborhood I'm in or yeah so I I love that app and I love just having a traditional like a note on my iPhone app that says has the whole week like Monday through Friday what what we want to do each day and then even then once I'm there if, if you know if things change I'm not like no, we're going to miss out on blah, blah, blah. It's just, I'm also trying trying to be very like, go with the flow. If we don't see everything, it's fine. As long as we hit, you know, the, some really pretty spots and have good food. I think, so that's, I think there's like a balance to be struck there because uh, one thing I noticed when Ash and I got married is that we vacation and like think about that very differently. Okay. Ash is very much like, I want to go and relax and just like lay on the beach and just kind of like hang out, especially if we go to somewhere like locally, like the Outer Banks or whatever. Whereas my family, we've always been like, we have to be doing something. Like if we're laying on the beach for more than, you know, 20 minutes, we're, we're like quote unquote wasting time. We need to be playing like cornhole or mm-hmm. body surfing or playing volleyball or whatever. So like it was very different because for me, just like, sitting and laying and just like not doing anything for like a couple hours sometimes I feel like I'm just like I'm wasting time we could so many things we could be doing are you and Justin similar when you guys travel like do you have similar like uh like ambitions and goals like you both want to be doing stuff or do you kind of have to navigate that somehow so it's funny you would say this because Justin is very similar to Ash in that way like he wants to go on vacation and actually relax which duh like yeah that's what vacations are for but it's hard when you're going to a new spot and you know there's so many cool places to see. So I think once we're there, he's like, oh, yeah, let's go do this and this. But it is kind of hard to get him out of bed in the morning sometimes. Yeah, because that's the thing. If you're like, OK, we're going to get up at seven and go to this breakfast place yep. and then you're going all day long. It can kind of feel like when you come home, you need a vacation from your from your yes. vacation. So another thing I wanted to talk to you about, we kind of talked about this earlier, is how did how you're able to afford all this stuff. Because again, I think a lot of people think that like, oh, we can't possibly travel to all these cool places or do all these things. It's going to be so expensive. So do you have any like tips or tricks or tools or anything that you use as far as finding like cheap flights, cheap hotels, and you're just like general approach to doing trips? Oh my gosh. Affordably? I could talk about this for hours. There are so many... Please go, go, go. This is like, I think this is the most important thing because if nothing else, I think people are so... Uh, like uh, paralyzed by this fear that like, oh, I can't, I'm not even going to think about going somewhere Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z place because it's going to cost, I don't have enough money or whatever. You can do it. I I feel like I always think of like the quote from Ratatouille, like the cook was like, anyone can cook. I'm like, anyone can travel. You really can. I think it just has to come down to being strategic in 
timing and the tools you're using and you just you do have to save for it we are very much like trying to live as debt-free as possible so everything every trip we're going on we have cash on hand for it and i think that's just also due to we make traveling a priority we love experiences over material stuff that's because i would rather be traveling and i'd rather spend uh, spend my money on that. So, and then when it does come to traveling, we're always using all kinds of things to find the best flight deal that we can, um, the cheapest place to stay that's still nice, getting deals on rental cars. I always start with telling people your t- the timing is everything. If you can be flexible with dates, you're going to open up a world of opportunities for finding flight deals. So instead of searching being like, okay, I want to go on a trip our specific anniversary week. Instead of doing that, you should look like the whole month of May if you have the the flexibility to do that. Um, for instance, I'm going to England in a couple weeks, and I have a couple that I shot their wedding. They became really amazing friends. I love them so much, Mike and Aaron. And then they moved to England. And I was like, what? No, it was kind of sad because we had loved double dating. And they said, we want to hire you for an anniversary session in England. When can you come? And so I, instead of, you know, searching like their exact anniversary date or whatever, I just searched the whole like from mid-February to mid-April and found the cheapest week to go. So flight deals, that's everything. And using tools like Google Flights is really awesome for doing something like that. Um, Hopper, it's an iPhone app. It'll show you a whole month and all the cheapest green dates. You can use Kayak. Those three are the three that I'm usually using to find flight deals along with there's newsletters you you can subscribe to like the flight deal um airfare watchdog is on twitter he's always sharing like you can fly from new york to miami today for 99 dollars or whatever there's all kinds of little resources Mm -hmm. out there for flights specifically but dates are everything when it comes to that that's great yeah i think that's one thing that my ash is really good at is she is amazing at finding airline deals. I have no nice. idea. I think that's what I think we were talking about. I think that's a really great tip that you need to bro. If you broaden your search and you kind of, and you look for those things, cause that's what is, you just say that's the most expensive thing normally yep. is like the airfare yep. for sure. Yeah. So if you can find cheap airfare and then work around that, obviously for us as, cause we're all, we're self-employed, it makes it a little bit easier for us. We don't have to work around like pay time off and jobs and, and things like that as much. But right. I think that's still, that's a really, really, Great tip. And then being on those lists for which, looking for deals. Because just the other day, Ash was like, Ty, there's uh, flights right now to Iceland for $49 from oh DC or whatever, or something crazy like that. She's like, we yeah. should just go, you know? And yeah, that's was those types of things. Do you have any like crazy, do you have like a one, or have you ever been on a really, really spontaneous trip like that where you just saw a really great deal and you just decided to go? So my best friend Meredith and I, a couple years, three years ago almost, we, I had, booked a bride. Actually, she hadn't even booked me yet. It was when I was doing video. So I was doing her, she had wrote me about wedding videography and she had said, you need to, she was the nicest person on planet earth. She's like, come visit me. And I'm like, what? I don't even know this person. And she's like, I live in Hawaii. You, you and Justin should come visit. I'm like, is this real life? Like what? I'm like writing people on Facebook to make sure she's not like a serial killer. Like, do you know this person? Because I had a few mutual friends from college and she was a real person. She's amazing. So she said, come visit me. This was, uh, I think like late January. And I said, well, Justin can't come because he's working. But my friend Meredith has her schedule open and she's, Meredith has had always wanted to go to Hawaii. It was like her life dream. And this opportunity happened. And I think we, I booked the plane ticket like over my phone, which I never ever do, but it was something crazy because we found a $500 plane ticket from the East coast to Hawaii, which is like nearly impossible. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. We paid more than double that for our honeymoon flights. So we, that was pretty spontaneous. Like, I guess I'm going to Hawaii. I'd never been. It was so much fun and it was such an awesome deal. And it made it that much more exciting. So I was like, we got here for 500 bucks. What? And we had a free place to stay and we had a free car to use. And so it was just an ideal scenario all around. That was such a fun trip. It was like 12 days long that we were in Hawaii and hanging out with my bride, oh my exploring the island and getting to know Oahu island life. It was awesome. I think those are sometimes the best trips, the spontaneous ones. Where obviously, like sometimes planning is important. Like you said, the more you can plan, sometimes you can find better deals. But like that, if you can just jump on it and you can just go and make the most of it and and just live it up. I mean, that's kind of the dream, especially if you're out there and you're young, and you can do that. You have flexibility in your life and in your schedule to do that. Right. 
Um, that's one thing that not that Ash and I've done a lot of traveling since we've been married. So we're super fortunate in that way. But I always look back and sometimes I'm like, man, I wish we had traveled more because now, I mean, as they get older, you have more responsibilities Mm -hmm. and like yada, 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 it gets a little harder, but I think that that's awesome. Could you say that there's one mistake that you see people make a lot when traveling? Um, that what would the one, if you instantly, you said, what, what's like the one thing you see people, a mistake people make all the time when they're trying to travel? So I think the first thing that comes to mind is they don't look into options outside of a hotel. Mm. So we always use, almost always use Airbnb and that's, I've stayed with Airbnb all over the world and I've never had a bad time with them. Um, like in Portugal, we were able to stay for $40 a night in an authentic, like, Alphama apartment in Lisbon. And that just, I love the the concept of that in general, because it's like you're getting a more local experience when you stay with Airbnb. Yeah. So, and, and you have your whole apartment to yourself and it's just fun and it feels like you live there and it's just exciting. And you save a lot of money typically when you're, when you do something like Airbnb over a hotel. Yeah. I think that the risk for Airbnb is more for the renters. I would say there's a yeah. higher risk if you're renting your Airbnb than if you're the renter. Cause you know, you're like, right. you're a nice person. You're not going to trash their place. You're going to treat it nicely. But you know, obviously there's people out there who don't always follow those rules. But I think, yeah, we, we went to Italy and Iceland. We stayed in nothing but Airbnbs. We stayed in one little hotel in Iceland cause it was the only thing we could find. But yeah, Airbnbs are the best. Like you said, yeah, you get that local experience. You kind of get to, you feel like you're a local, even though you're right. not. Um, and you can find some really great prices. Is there anything that you do when you're looking for Airbnbs that you look for, like as far as warning signs or anything to avoid oh, yeah. um, to help make sure you don't get a bad Airbnb? Yes. It's super important for you to pretty much, I don't book a place that has less than like 50 reviews because mm. I want a seasoned Airbnb host who hasn't just started opening up their home and I've had, there was one time that I booked someone that had six reviews and then they canceled on us like two days before the trip. Uh, Thankfully, thankfully it was just a trip like up to New York City. So it wasn't a huge deal. But if that had happened on something like I'm traveling for work and that happened, that would be a lot more stressful. So I'm always booking a place that has at a minimum like 30 five-star reviews and good reviews. And um, I like having hosts that have multiple places. So they like they're in the business of renting out spots. So that's probably the best thing to do when booking with Airbnb. Yeah. I think it makes a huge difference if they know what they're doing and they've yeah. been through that and then they they can help with any sort of like troubleshooting issues or, you know, you just never know. Um, especially if internationally, if there's a language barrier, if there's like a company that you're, that they host through or something like that, or just looking for those reviews that they can work with you. Cause otherwise if you don't speak the language and neither do they like you, that's just good to know ahead of time. So that's a really, really, really good tip. The other mistake I see people make is that they assume the cheapest deal is like the best thing ever. Because I always say, if you take the cut up front and you're getting a deal on the front end, more often than not, like nine times out of 10, there's something that you're losing and like you're paying for it in another way. Mm -hmm. So for super cheap flights, for example, there's usually a crazy layover somewhere. Like we had a seven hour layover in the Casablanca airport when we went to Portugal and our flight was only $400 round trip each, which was crazy. But we had to fly out of JFK which was still cheaper because we parked my car for like 190 for the week and it was a four hour drive. But we had to fly to JFK. We had a six hour or seven hour layover going there and coming back through Casablanca. And that meant at the time there was this uh, travel ban on electronics bigger than an iPhone. Oh no. So I literally could not take my camera on that trip. Really? Which... Nope. Yeah. Which was fine. Wow. Because it ended up being a nice break and like, I didn't have to worry about carrying around. It was actually really freeing in that way. I was like, you know what, this is kind of nice, but I never would have willingly chose to do that. Obviously. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that's just something I wanted to talk to you about is because as photographer, you know, obviously like documenting your trip is important. And you already mentioned that sometimes you search for places that are photogenic and that is a priority to you. Um, but I know that for me, sometimes when I go on vacation, I just, I don't, I'm like, I do not want to take photos. I don't want to carry around the big DSLR. Cause then I feel like it's work. Um, do you ever, like, what is your sort of thoughts on that? Cause you, like you said, you would probably never not bring your camera. So what, what has your sort of like journey been is like f- finding that balance between wanting to enjoy your vacation, but also documenting it well? Well, I like that the iPhone camera has gotten better and better mm. as the years have gone on because now I don't feel as much of a pressure to like, I have to have my camera. Otherwise we literally won't get good pictures. 
Um, but I think it depends on who I'm traveling with because I'm with, I'm when I'm with Justin, we aren't as focused on pictures because I'm not going to take pictures of him every place we stop. Like he doesn't care about that. And, you know, but if I'm with a friend like Meredith or my friend, Emily majors, we're both photographers. So we want to have the cameras out and like taking pictures of each other. So I think it depends on who I'm traveling with. And if I'm, I don't know if I can throw, you know, one body and one lens in a purse, I'm probably going to do that. Like we went to London last April and that trip was pretty much just a like photo safari. We just wanted to go to all the Instagram spots. We wanted to take as many pictures as we could of all the cool places we could find. So that one I had, my purse was stuffed with like three lenses and a body and Justin's like little video camera that he bought and the GoPro. Like it was a little crazy, but that was the purpose of that trip. So I think it just depends on why I'm there. And if it's something to relax, I'm probably going to travel a little bit lighter. Justin has a little Canon G7X Mark II, Mm -hmm. which is awesome for pictures and videos. So we like, that's what we used in Portugal and it it did an amazing job. So we have options there too, but. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing that we did. So we have an RX100, which is the Sony version of the g7x and i when we went to iceland that's all i brought we went to iceland and italy i didn't even bring ashton or we traveled with our friends and she brought a dslr so she had the dslr so if we needed it for portraits or whatever we had that but for everything else i was filming and taking photos and just doing everything with the little you know pocket it's like a pro point and shoot pretty much because you can control everything um i think that's a really great option if you when you do travel what lenses are you bringing are you bringing do you have a zoom lens or you just bring a couple primes or if you had to pick one what do you normally bring I don't have a zoom lens. It's been on my list forever to get the 24 to 70. And then I've just, I just have never done it. I have all primes. So I'm usually traveling with my 50 and my 35. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. We just got the 24 to 70 last year, pretty much for, for video stuff. And then for, for traveling. Cause when we went to Iceland and Italy, yeah, Carrie, our friend that we traveled with, she had the 24 to 70 and we were like, oh gosh, this is really nice. And then she, so she brought, when we went on that whole trip, she brought the 24 to 70 and then the 50. So if we wanted to do any like portrait stuff with like really shallow depth of field and do some like intentional portraits and stuff, she had the 50 that she could do that, but everything else was the 24 to 70. And it's great because it's weather sealed. You can't worry about getting wet. And um, if you get rained on or anything like that, like it's like pretty, pretty durable and pretty rugged. I've wanted, I've wanted that lens forever, but I usually end up just, I end up having my 35 on a lot because obviously it takes in more than the 50, but the 50 is, there's nothing like the 50 for portraits and headshots and whatnot. Right. So yeah, if we choose. only, if we only had the primes to choose, that's probably what I would choose too. That's great. Okay. So then when you get home from all your trips, Um, what is your, do you have sort of a process that you use as far as like categorizing those? Do you print them? Do you store them online? Do you organize them? Like, what do you do with all your photos and everything once you get home from a trip? So I'm typically culling through them in photo mechanic and then I'm editing the, you know, top like 100, 200, usually putting them together for a blog post. And then I'll star, you know, my absolute favorite ones that I want to upload immediately or, get printed on a canvas or, um, you know, print out for a frame. It's, I need to get better about it because there's London photos from last April that I still have not edited, but I've, I've picked my most favorite ones and those are the ones that I've posted, but I keep meaning to still do my London blog post and I just haven't got around to it yet, but I need to get better about that. When you're making those blog posts, are you doing those strategically for SEO purposes to try and get more like destination weddings and things like that? Do you have sort of like an end goal? for those or I'm not sure I'd say that it's so much to have destination weddings, although that would be awesome. I, because I don't know who would be searching the search terms that I'm using for those. I'm usually doing it for really just trying to be helpful for people planning like their Hawaiian honeymoon. So my SEO term was like Hawaiian honeymoon blog, because I know Mm -hmm. that people searching that will be the bride who's going to Hawaii for honeymoon. And that's, that's where uh, my heart is behind that because I don't know what, how I would even use that to actually book a job. Now, if I did a shoot in Hawaii, which I have done before, then I'm going all out on like Hawaiian engagement photographer, Hawaiian wedding photographer. And that's what I would use. But for the travel post, it's always just trying to be helpful and come up in those search results with like somebody's actually trying to plan a trip. That makes sense. So what is your, do you have any thoughts on destination weddings? Cause I know that people kind of view them as like this coveted, like amazing thing. But after oh you've gosh. done a couple, it's like, they're actually a lot more work. Uh, yeah. 
than you might think. So do you have any thoughts on that? Have you done any really cool destination weddings? Okay. I'm really glad that I got to do one at the very beginning of my business. I shot a destination wedding in Mexico when I had only done like literally two weddings. And it happened through, I always tell people the, all my destination weddings have been booked through like somebody that I know. It's never been something like organically found online. So I'm always like networking is everything. Like it was my friend, Michelle, her sister was getting married in Mexico. And so I, I was like, does she have a wedding photographer? And I actually like asked about it. And then she was like, I'm going to get you to go. Cause she wanted, she wanted me to go on the trip with her. So that's how that worked out. They are very unique situations shooting destination weddings because there's so much planning that goes into it. There's so many things that could go wrong that can't go wrong when you're at home in your own element. And it's just, it's, it's exhausting in its own special way. And there's so much fun. And I know that they're, they're really seen as like the, a huge milestone in your business if you've done one, which I, which is why I think it's so funny that I did one when I'd only shot two weddings. My Mexico wedding, I, I always tell everyone everything that went wrong because people that, that haven't done an international wedding, they're, they want to do it so badly. And I'm like, well, let me just tell you these few things and then maybe you'll be more patient for one to come along because my Mexico wedding was definitely interesting. Well, what's the story then? Now, now I want to know. I, I'm intrigued now. So I was a junior in college and it happened to be in the middle of finals week because when I booked it, our finals were a different date and then we had a bunch of snow days. So then our finals got moved. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was in, in the middle of finals week. Thankfully, my professors understood I was like trying to run a business. So everybody worked around me, but I still had to be there like studying. And so that was already one stressor. I couldn't take a second shooter because the I was charging 1600 at the time for weddings. And she had said, that's my whole budget. And I was like, well, I'm not turning down a Mexico wedding. When I was like 19 years old, I was like, I'm going. So she paid me 1600 That covered getting there and being there, but that didn't pay for a second shooter. So I was by myself. I'd only done like two or three weddings in general. So I was already like so nervous about shooting this wedding alone, which she knew that didn't bother her that I was the only shooter. And then it ended up being like a 14-hour day in like 102-degree weather in like the most humid month in Mexico. So 14 hours as a 19-year-old who had only shot two weddings, that was definitely an adventure. I'm proud to say the photos are beautiful and I'm still so proud of them, but it was definitely the most exhausting wedding day I've ever shot just because it was go, go, go from breakfast at 8 a.m. to like jumping in the pool at 11.45 at night. Like it was just crazy. And then... I got uh, the, you know, coveted Mexican flu, Montezuma's Revenge, is that what they call it? I got that like... I don't know, but it sounds awful. I literally got it like the morning that the wedding was, and then it didn't go away until after my finals had ended like four days later. Oh, gosh. Yep. It was definitely a memorable time. That's how I remember my first destination wedding. The photos are beautiful. They love their wedding gallery. And I'm not sure I will ever shoot a wedding in Mexico again. Did you get to hang out at least at all? Like when you, did you go early or stay late? I guess not because you had finals, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. Well, I always tell people if they're booking a destination wedding, you need to make sure that you're there at least two nights before the actual mm-hmm. wedding day. It's so important. So I, I got there on Thursday. The wedding was Saturday, but I was so nervous that I could not relax. I, I didn't get to relax at all. And I was... I was by myself essentially because I knew my the bride's sister, but she was hanging out with her sister and everybody was just like having a good time. It's Mexico. They're taking tequila shots. And I'm like, I can't go out and like drink and look unprofessional. And I was technically like underage. Right. So, but any, yeah, I didn't get to relax much at all. I think the day I flew home, I had like a 4 p.m. flight. And so the day after the wedding, I got to lay on the beach for like four hours. And I was like, this is the best thing ever because it was finally the wedding was done. I, right. I did have finals, but I was like, I'm just going to take a few hours just to relax. I think I had my notes on the beach with me, like my statistics notes oh, or whatever. Gosh. Yeah. Good times. Oh, uh, that's so funny. Yeah. We, so I've had a sort of, sort of similar, not exactly. We booked a destination wedding pretty early on. It was right after Ash and I got married. It was like four weeks after we got married. It was in the Bahamas. Wow. And that was actually kind of what sparked our business because Ash was like, you cannot leave me here to go shoot this wedding in the Bahamas, like you have to bring me with you. So I was like, okay, fine. If you're going to come, you might as well shoot. Like we have extra, extra camera, like you might as well shoot. And that was when we first were kind of like, hey, maybe we should uh, think about doing this doing this thing together. But I think destination weddings are fun because you do become sort of part of the family. Like they invited us to hang out and have lunch with them and stuff like that. 
which is nice. But I think especially like you said, if you're a student or if you're working full time, it is hard because you can't really enjoy it. You know, we shot another wedding in at Yosemite National Park in California, right? Which is like this amazing place. And like, you know, everyone would dream of going there. But we were so strapped because I didn't have enough PTO and all this stuff because I was still working full time that we had to literally just like go get there for the wedding, shoot the wedding. And then like the next day we had to you know go back to San Francisco and then leave. So we didn't get to really spend any time there or enjoy it. And it, you know, you it's all this stress and all this time to get all the way out there. And then obviously like you're there for the wedding and that's great. But then, you know, you're like, I'm all the way out here. We should really like explore and see what there is to see. And we weren't really able to do that. So I think that's a great point. I think that destination weddings are great, um, but they're definitely not worth like losing money right. for. Yes. And they're definitely not worth like, it's just a lot more stress than I think people realize. And even some stuff that I didn't even think about at the time, I just got lucky. But as far as like having a work permit and, you know, having your cameras confiscated because you're not supposed to like those types of things. I, we, I had no idea. We just like showed up and I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Luckily nothing happened, but yeah you know there's always things like that, that now that you mentioned yeah. that i remember when i landed in mexico oh i had so much anxiety about that trip for so many reasons i only had one camera body so i was like if anything goes wrong with this like we're done oh gosh. and then i remember reading all kinds of rules online about if you have a lot of gear they'll confiscate it when you land in the country in mexico so mm-hmm. i had split my gear up between like several people in our group flying down together Oh, that's Which funny. I didn't have much of it. I literally had like one one speed light, one cam- one camera body, and then four lenses. So I just gave like one person a lens, another person a lens. And I was praying as I went through the security line, like, please don't, or customs, like, please don't ask any questions. And the person behind me got stopped and he was a photographer and he had major issues. Like oh, no. he got taken back to the room. And then I saw him at our resort two days later and I was like, what happened? He was like... Um, yeah, I'm lucky I got out of that, but essentially my worker's permit isn't right. And like my, his embassy thing had expired cause he was a British citizen and then he lived in America and then he was going to, oh, wow. it was crazy. Yeah. And I was like, I just, I just want to get through this and, and go home. Yeah. Well, we were coming back from, okay. So this is our crazy story. I don't know if I've ever, I've probably never told you this story. I don't know if I've ever told anybody this story like on the internet. Um, so last year we went to Iceland and we were going to Italy after that. Um, it just coincidentally, one of our good friends, her sister was getting married in Iceland the same day we were supposed to arrive. Um, it was literally just like pure circumstance. Like we had booked these flights months and months before. And she was like, hey, would you guys be willing to come and film it? Like some of our other friends are coming to photograph it. Could you come and film it? So we were like, yeah, sure. I mean, it's going to be close, you know, because we're supposed to land at like 6 a.m. Iceland time. And then she's supposed to start getting ready because of the weird like sunlight, daylight hours. She's supposed to start getting ready at like 9 a.m. Iceland time. And it was an hour and a half drive from the airport to where they were getting ready. So we're like, we can do it. Like we can try. But we don't really know. So we flew out of BWI, same kind of deal. We were trying to get there as cheap as possible. So we had, you know, drove all the way to BWI up in Baltimore. And then we were flying Wow Air, which is, again, one of those cheap mm-hmm. airlines that you've got to be really careful with because they try and get you with baggage fees and they're just like not very reliable. But anyway, everything was great. We got through all the rush hour traffic. We got to the gate. We're sitting there waiting. Um, we see the plane pull up. You know, we're kind of getting ready. We hear the lady come over the intercom. And we're expecting to like grab our bags and jump board the flight. And she comes over the intercom and she's like, Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know that the flight to Reykjavik has been canceled and indefinitely. And oh we gosh. don't know when it's going to be rescheduled. We'll let you know more information when we find out. So like I said, we had this two hour window. So we're freaking out trying to figure out if there's anywhere we can go, anything that we can do. And long story short, we ended up just having to miss the wedding completely. Mm-hmm. Um, which was super sad. It, it ended up being okay. Like they were they very understanding because it was our friends and stuff like that. But if it had been a paying client, it, A, we have never ever cut it that close if it was like that kind of a deal. But what had happened was the plane that was coming in hit a flock of birds, like of geese or something, and it like blew out one of the engines. Oh, and because it's such a small airline and they're so budget, they don't have like extra planes on hand. And it was towards the end of the day. It was like... 7 p.m. I think like Eastern time. So we just completely had to miss this wedding. So that's so sad. It was really sad. It was, it was like one of the most like stressful, like two hours, like again, trying to figure out like if we drove to Boston, could we make it in time and like rent a car and all this stuff and like, Oh, there's another flight we can take, but it's going to cost like $4,000 a piece or something like that. And someone was like, we should do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. no." Like that's, 
that's not going to work out. But so anyway, so we had all this camera gear. So that's only like, that's like the first half of the story, which obviously is very sad. But then we had all, because we we're trying to film the wedding and make this like super epic, like portfolio piece, um, my friend Trevor and I. And so we had way, like all of our film gear. We figured out a way to get all of it there. But then we had to travel all around, you know, Iceland and then go to Italy with all this gear. And on the way home, we had to fly through Istanbul in Turkey. And this is right after they'd had that like shooting and all that stuff at the airport. So there was like double security. So you had to go through security when we got off the plane, just like regular metal detectors. And then there was security just to get into the gate. And once you went into the gate, you couldn't come back out because of all this stuff. And they were like swabbing everybody's stuff. So we had to go through there and like literally open up all of our bags and pull out all of our stuff. So we had like our gimbal and the drone and like we had nine camera bodies and like all this stuff. And luckily they were just like, they kind of laughed at us. They were like, Oh, what are you like taking a bunch of photos? And we're like, yeah, we're just tourists, very (laughs) enthusiastic tourists, like, which was kind of true because we didn't actually end up shooting that wedding. But of course we used like not even a quarter of all that stuff, but Anyway, that was our crazy Iceland, Italy travel story. So moral of the story, definitely try and get there more than two hours early. Yes. Um, Like Megan (laughs) said, two days early. I'd say 24 hours is kind of like the minimum, like absolute minimum, like landing 24 hours, but two days, the more time in advance, the better. Last couple of questions here, Megan, rapid fire style. Where is, you've been to a ton of different places. What is like the next place on your bucket list? Are you going anywhere this year that you've never been before? I am. So where are you going? So in two weeks, is it a secret? No, no, I'll tell you. A week and a half, I'm going to York, England slash Leeds okay. area. So I've never been north of London. So I'm so mm. excited to visit Mike and Aaron and see what their life in Harrogate is like because they've been living in Britain now for almost a year. So I'm really excited about that. I'm going to France and Ireland in June. I have I've been in the airport in Paris. Gosh, I. It was that was when we were delayed for our uh, proposal trip, so that oh, I don't right, have fond right. memories of that airport. So I'm excited to actually <laughs> see um, a little bit more of France. And then I've never been to Ireland, and we're, both Justin and I are a third Irish, so oh, we're cool. just so excited. So those are those are the three new places coming up. That'll be sweet. Um, so yeah. if people want to follow you on those journeys, where is the best place for them to find you so they can kind of follow along on Instagram, yeah. I imagine, and yes. your blog. My Instagram stories, I never fail to share, to overshare. Yes. I, it's basically like a little mini vlog that you can get every day because I share like 81 different little clips. <laughs> so my Instagram is Megan Kelsey Photography. And Perfect. then my blog is Megan Kelsey Blog. And that's always to catch up after and see like the professional photos. Yes. And all the, do you put like tips and stuff oh, in there? Oh, yes. Yeah. I always do. Yeah. yeah. So if you're going to any of these places, what, so Hawaii is a good one. What other um, good blog posts do you have that if people are going to one of these places, they should go look for? I always send, I always send the Hawaii one. I always send my London one. There's like a three parts of our first trip to London. And I promise now that I'm saying this on the podcast, I'm going to get my recent London one up from go. last year because those Perfect. were all like the fun Instagram spots and like just the cool little cafes that are really quirky and all over Pinterest. So um, London's a good one. Germany's on there and Portugal. There's a really good Portugal post. Everybody should go to Portugal because it is a budget destination. Mm. The food's amazing. Everybody's so nice. The wine is incredible. Oh, it's our I think that is our favorite place we've ever been because we keep saying we want to go back. So, and we hardly ever say that because we like going to new places. So the fact that we keep wanting to go back to Portugal so badly is I'm telling everyone to go there. So that's a good post too. That's perfect. Okay. Yes. Everyone go check her out. All the links and everything will be in the, in the description of this, of this podcast, as well as the apps that she mentioned and some of those websites and stuff like that. I'll have you send me all that information. Um, what is, okay. So last one, what is your dream place that you want to go? Like, where's the place that you'd maybe not, you're not scheduled to go yet, but like, where's a dream destination that you want to go? Asia. 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 We've never been to Asia and I would love to go. I'd love to go to Cambodia. One of our best friends is Cambodian. And so they have family there and they have land there and a huge house. And they keep saying we're going to go with them one of these years. And I'm like, I'm holding you guys through this. So hopefully next year we get to go to Cambodia. I'd love to go to Thailand. I'd love to go to Japan. Anywhere in the Asian continent would be a huge bucket list yeah. item. Yeah, we've never... So all, a lot of our travels have been to 
we've realized like English speaking countries for whatever reason. So like we've been to New Zealand, we've been to South Africa and then Iceland and then Italy, obviously like they don't speak English, but a lot of the places they do. Um, so I think Asia would be really great. Ash has been to a couple of different places in Asia. I haven't. I need to go to more places in Europe. Like you've been to all these different like cool European places. I've only ever been to England. And that's and I was in really? London only for a layover on the way to South Africa. So definitely need to go there. I've been to like Peru. Like I've been to all these like really far away, like kind of random places, but all like the good normal, like England, Paris, Germany, like all those places I would love to go yeah. to. So for you, Megan, I would say you should look into South Africa. I think oh, I would love to go. You there. would love South Africa because there's a million things to do. It's very different. You get like the African vibe if you want to go look for it, but it's also just like, it's cool and like also have very like European at the same time. You kind of like the perfect blend of both of those. Um, the yeah. wine is really, really good. Um, I fell in love with wine in South Africa and oh, I love that. there's just so many things to do. The only problem is that it's just like a million miles away. Like it's really hard to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is on my list. And when you guys do end up going to a country where you need the uh, language barrier to uh, something to help with that, if you have an Apple Watch, which I think you both do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is an app called Converse. Ooh, okay. And it, it's you talk into it and you point the direction at the other person. You can use your phone or your Apple Watch and it'll translate for you from, like you pick your language and you pick the other person's language you're tra- oh, trying perfect. to talk to and it'll, uh, yeah, it's it's so cool. So that I'm excited to use that in France when we go because I definitely do not know any any French at all. So yeah. That's perfect. That's super great. So awesome. Well, thank you, Megan, so much. This has been so great. I think people are going to get a ton out of this. Um, You are just so, so so great at what you do. And I'm excited to follow along for all of your upcoming adventures. And everyone should go follow Megan on Instagram to see all those types of things. And to just look back, do you have a hashtag or anything that you have, like all your travels documented under? I wish I wish I did. But if you go to my blog, there is a travel category that has all of the travel blog posts. So perfect. And don't hesitate to send me an email or a message on Instagram asking for travel advice because that is my favorite thing in the world to do. If I wasn't a wedding photographer, I'd be a travel agent. So please send me all the questions and I will try to answer as much as I can. Perfect. Thank you, Megan, so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much to Megan. That was an awesome, awesome conversation. Like I said, please make sure you guys go follow her on Instagram and go follow her blog to follow along with her adventures. Uh, All the links to her stuff is in the show notes down below. And there's also going to be links down there to all the different tools that she mentioned in this interview. Thank you guys so much for listening to Ty's Tech Line. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast here. If you made it all the way to the end, you are the best. You are a rock star. If you feel so inclined, it would be really appreciated and very helpful to the podcast if you go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating over there. That would be super amazing. And as always, I'd love to hear you guys' feedback. This show is something that I want to continue to evolve and grow over time. So if you have any suggestions for things you'd like to hear, topics you'd like to see covered, I would love to hear from you. So please go send me a message over on Instagram or over on Twitter. That's all we have for this week for Ty's Tech Line. Make sure to tune in next week and I'll talk to you then.